Hey guys, thanks for coming and joining another episode of Maiden Voyage. Today, we have our in-house marketing technologist expert, Josh Ames. He is going to be talking to us about a variety of different things, but we're going to focus in on software integrations, MarTech solutions, and sales ops because those are his bread and butter, and we want to pick his brain, and we know you're going to love what he has to say, too. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. All right. So just going to dive right in here. I mean, I know that um, we've worked with you for a little bit here at Impulse, but I would really like to know just because I'm one of the newest members at Impulse, um, being only here a few months, I want to know about, you know, your work journey and what brought you to um, MarTech and like how you got here. Sure. Yeah. So I'll start at the end and then jump to the beginning. So I have been on the Impulse team now almost a year. I think we're like 10, nine or 10 months now, um, which is kind of crazy uh, that it's been that long already because it sure doesn't feel like it, especially with everything that's been going on this year. So, uh, but I have been involved in the HubSpot ecosystem pushing 10 years. Um, originally started out at a small startup company that was involved in cloud computing. It was my first marketing job out of college, um, went the traditional sales route first that I think everybody does, even though they go to school for marketing. Uh, so I did retail sales for a few years before I actually got into marketing. Um, but got hired at this cloud computing company. They had just bought HubSpot at the time and basically said, here you go, tell us what we're supposed to do with this. was like, I don't know how long, you know, listeners have followed HubSpot or used HubSpot, but pushing 10 years ago, HubSpot was not very good. (laughs) Like it was pretty bad software. Like if you remember, it was a big deal when HubSpot rolled out, HubSpot 3.0. This was like prior to 3.0. Like that's what we're talking about here. So Basically, was told to figure it out, didn't like it, didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with it, didn't even really understand what the tool was at the time. Luckily, convinced my boss to send me to Inbound that fall in Boston, and that is kind of where I drank the Kool-Aid, came back, was a huge HubSpot advocate um, from that day forward. Uh, kind of what I laugh, a lot of HubSpotters drink the Kool-Aid, and then that's kind of what started them. Uh, I definitely had that same experience. So came back, did that for another couple of years for that company, and then really just loved what I was doing with HubSpot, kind of where HubSpot was going, what their mentality was with marketing at the time as a whole, um, and actually to start, decided to start my own partner agency. So I was a HubSpot partner agency, ran that for about seven to eight years, seven years, um, just prior to joining Impulse. So been involved for a long time. I also was a hug leader um, for a large majority of that seven years as well. Uh, So definitely have uh, lived and breathed HubSpot uh, for pretty much my my career. Uh, And so, you know, kind of how that also leads into the MarTech, right? A lot of that, I would say I've kind of followed HubSpot's lead, right? Um, If you've followed them at all the last couple years, they've really started to make the shift to 
being a platform and this giant ecosystem. I was just reading the other day, they just hit um, a couple of different milestones. I think they just got a million installs of third-party apps from their ecosystem. And I think it's like a thousand apps are available. It, I would have to check on the number, but it's definitely growing. And so as I started seeing that trend, as well as just what I was seeing with my own clients while running my agency, I just saw that technology was you know, expanding, the MarTech industry was expanding just with all the different tools out there. And so it just felt like a good thing to keep up with, you know, understanding where it was going and how those other technology platforms were going to integrate with HubSpot eventually. And I would say that um, I have been an employee for the longest on the call. Whoa. <laughs> um, so I was here, you know, before Josh, when we were talking to clients about their tool set or their tech stack or whatever we were calling it at the time, but not until Josh came, did we have really the expertise and experience to do a deep dive into the tools that our clients were using, the benefits yeah. that they were drawing from it, and then over analyzing it with their marketing. Because Josh, you have a, an, um, you know, you have a very unique the way that you think because it's not just technology and how it works. It's also technology, how it works, and how does it benefit what the marketing you're doing for your organization or the sales that you're doing for your organization. It's really, we talk about that RevOps. It's how everything works together. And I think you have that, yep. unique, like you and Remington, where like Remington can build a website, <laughs> but also think about how the marketing person is going to use it. You have that yep. very similar switch, which is like two competing sides of your brain, I feel like, right? Like that, like nerd yet creative coming together. And I think that's where marketing technology like really meets. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and I think part of that honestly comes from being an entrepreneur and having ran my own business that I am thinking about the business aspect of it a lot of times for clients more than I think what a typical marketer might think about. Yeah. Um, just because that was wired into my brain for so long, having done it from that side. You know, the other thing too is I'm a big believer and I know I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about internally about Pareto's principle, yes. um, which if people aren't familiar with, it's this idea that 80% of your results are coming from 20% of the work. And so I'm very big on finding what is that 20% of the work that's generating the results so that you know and kind of getting rid of the fluff because as marketers, I'm sure you're all aware, the list uh, uh, never ends of things that you need to be implementing or executing on. And my philosophy kind of at a higher level is I really don't think the, the list is never ending. You just need to understand how to find the things to put your energy into that are bringing back the ROI um, and, and not spreading yourself too thin. I love that. I love right. that principle. And something that, I mean, I've heard a lot throughout my career is that it's so important to consolidate your MarTech stack. And that's one of the big sells of HubSpot in itself being marketing automation. Yep. And so I, I guess like in addition to that, you know, outside of that, what are some of the other tools that you are finding that our clients like need that they need to add into the fold to have all of their, their data flowing together? Sure. Yeah. So obviously you can go a ton of different routes here, right? Depending on, you know, what type of business you are, what industry you're in, who you're trying to target. 
Um, but I do kind of feel like there is a core that I've at least settled on over the years that I feel like is kind of a good starting place or helps fill specific gaps or specific needs. So obviously HubSpot is always going to be on that list. Mm. Um, Wistia is kind of, if you're into video, I've kind of settled on Wistia as being the right option. Um, integration is pretty good with HubSpot. I like how it, you know, integrates with the timeline so you can actually see on a contact record how engaged people have been. Um, Lucky Orange, right? So from like a web perspective of wanting to see or understand how people are engaging with a website, Lucky Orange is kind of a go-to. Hotjar is another one, um, but Lucky Orange I've used for years. I actually liked it better because, and this definitely may have changed uh, since the last time I used Hotjar, but at the time, Hotjar, you had to explicitly tell it every individual page that you wanted to track. Um, for like heat maps, where Lucky Orange, if somebody visited a page on your website, then that page got recorded into the heat map. So it was just a lot less work on the marketer's end. Mm -hmm. um, Sendoso is a newer one um, that I've come across this year uh, that's pretty exciting. It's uh, not traditional inbound marketing, um, but it's a good, a good way to blend. So they are more direct mail, um, but they integrate with HubSpot and they allow you to send like unique gifts to clients or prospects, like everything from virtual gift cards to like Starbucks, right, to full-blown like swag packages yeah um so really a cool creative take on direct mail that's not just your typical salesy postcard right um you talk about air call so if you're into sms messaging which i've started seeing a lot of clients getting into this year um as well as just your general like phone system i think air call is a really good one uh, they have a very great native integration with HubSpot to the point where if someone's calling in, it can automatically bring up their contact record for you. So like when you answer the call, you already know who you're talking to, you have all your notes, like everything. So really helps, um, especially from like a productivity standpoint. So okay. I think that also ties into the sales side too and the rev ops, like you were talking earlier, Jackie. Yeah. Um, so I've just heard you list a few tools that some, you know, like I know we're all familiar with, but like some of our listeners sure. might be as well. And so my friends have this really crazy rule about having things in your house that are not unitaskers. So like, if okay. you have, like, you, like, I'm not going to buy a potato peeler because it only peels potatoes. For example, I know potato peeler peels other things, everybody, but a potato, let's just pretend that a potato peeler only peels a potato when I could buy this other peeler that has different types of things on it. I could peel a carrot. I could peel a radish. I could peel a watermelon. I can peel whatever yep. I want. With it. Okay. It sounds like some of these MarTech stacks, and this is where you know, your job becomes really integral when we're auditing a client to say, what are you doing? What are you using? How are you using it? Yep. There isn't actually one solution for everything. There feels like there's a lot of unitaskers in the MarTech space. Sure. Yeah. A lot of passwords to remember. Like how, <laughs> how do we talk about consolidating? Like I yeah. know that oh. obviously is a great automation SaaS tool for a specific thing, but, and I also believe that you can't be everything to everyone either, right? Like, yep. you know, like Drift is a chat bot that 
is level up from HubSpot's chatbot. Do they have it? Yes. Is it as good as Drift? No, because it's all Drift does. So what would your yeah. um, you know, suggestion be to a client who's like, do I, you know, like unipiece and piecemeal together what I want my plate of tech to be? Or yeah. is it beneficial to dive into a HubSpot type tool and then pull in those key elements that are unitaskers that you still need? Yeah. So I... <laughs> I am one of those where I actually, I feel like I can sit on both sides of that fence, um, right? Like on one hand, I very much am uh, an e uh, efficiency driven, right? Like I love efficiency. I don't like bloat, um, which is what you can start to get into with some of that when you start piecemealing it together. And I remember, I don't think, I mean, HubSpot's come a long way, so I don't think it's really part of their messaging nowadays, but I know in the early days, it was very much like, stop piecemealing together your marketing, you know, by using, you know, Hootsuite and MailChimp and all these other right. things, because, yeah. you know, have one central place to log in makes your life easier. 100% still agree with that concept. I still think that's what people should do. And I think yeah. the example you gave is great, where in that example, HubSpot is kind of your core. And then you do bring in those tools as you need them, even if they are one-off. Because in your example, and, and I would even say potentially on the video side, right? Like HubSpot is great with video. They've improved their video, they've teamed up. So there's more functionality for video, but that might not be the best solution for every client where they may need to use one of the integration partners and pull them in like Vidyard or 23. Yeah. Um, and because there is more, that is what those companies do. So it kind of depends on what level you're at, not only I would say business-wise, but also just like um, your clients, right? Like what are your clients expecting or your customer base expecting and using tools that are going to help provide them a really good customer or user experience as well. I, I love that takeaway. Not necessarily what you feel like you need, but what your customers are expecting from you. Like if you preach video, but your video is subpar, that's not going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's a great tip. Good. <laughs> and I mean, I, I absolutely, um, I, I love that HubSpot has absolutely, uh, and a lot of SaaS companies lean into having like, this app integration marketplace where you can yep. look and see how, if your tools connect together, because that's the whole point is that everyone, like all these different companies, like MarTech in general is a giant industry and like being able to understand the fact that you are not everyone's cup of tea. Everyone cannot get everything they need exactly from your platform and giving them the capability to integrate. Like that's also one of your strong suits is like, if um, we have clients that don't want an all in one tool, like you're going to piece it together for them. Right. Like you're going to, yeah. because the, the data all needs to flow to the same place. Like you need everything together because then otherwise things are just disjointed and a mess, which I'm sure you've seen the mess side. <laughs> of things. Yes. Well, and that's part of it too, right? Like I've seen a lot of clients where, you know, when we're doing these audits that, that Jackie's talked about, where they are using a lot of tools, but the problem is none of those tools are talking to each other. So how, you know, back to my Pareto's principle, like how do you know what, what activities and tactics you're doing are generating results when A, those tools aren't even all talking to each other, but B, you might actually not be marketing in the right way because the data that you're marketing off of isn't accurate or isn't up to date because 
it's not all talking to each other, right? So making sure that that data is flowing between all of those tools is really important. And I think too, a little bit to what Jackie said earlier, during these audits is finding where is the overlap in tools, right? Like, okay, do we not need this tool because we have another tool in the stack that already has the same functionality? Yep. A lot of that is found because MarTech nowadays is so easy to start, right? Like starting free trials or it's 20 bucks a month. Like, so mm -hmm. even what I've seen in the last year or two is a lot of decentralization too, that like people don't even know all the tools that are being used within the company because you've got 15 different people just going and signing up for free trials and using it or, hey, I'm using it, but nobody else in the company is using it. So yeah, it, uh, it can yeah, get out of hand very quickly. And I also think, Josh, we've seen a lot of like the sales team uses this. I don't know what they do with this data, but then I get a Excel spreadsheet, like exactly yeah. what you're saying. So I think it's, you know, top down and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you suggest top down, where's your single source of truth going to come from? Yeah. Everything needs to feed into this single source of truth. No matter how we get it there, we can build an API integration to talk to each other, but like what's our single source of truth and then what needs to be kind of brought into that? Yeah, so it's actually funny. The There's a graphic that I put together when I build out or audit MarTech stacks and actually the center core of it, so it's a, it's a circle, the center core of it is the single source of truth or I try to get the client to identify that single source of truth. Yeah. And then around the outside is the different stages um, and kind of what tools are in each of those uh, yeah. so that you can see at a glance. Yeah. Do we have too many tools helping in one piece right? Like awareness stage, like we're using way too many tools in awareness and we're using nothing in delight, which I actually see a lot. It's really surprising how many businesses are not really using anything in the delight stage of marketing and, or like after somebody becomes a customer, what tools are you using to help keep them happy? Mm -hmm. It's usually fairly small, like one, right. if that. Like, um, so it's a good way to find opportunities. Fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i i feel like account management software is such like an um it's such an afterthought that hasn't really been like um really grown like a lot of people aren't like expanding that vertical of like martech yet um they're yep. kind of focusing on how do we get the sale how do we get the leads how do we talk to them and like that's kind of that's kind of it and that I, actually whenever jackie mentioned like building api integrations earlier that made me think of, I really want to pick your brain about how you feel about using third-party integration tools like Zapier uh, versus, yep. like, you know, a one-to-one -one API integration or like native integrations and what, what are the main differences and what are some of the difficulties of doing one over the other? I'd love for you to uh, define that a little bit out too for all of our listeners, like a one-to-one -one integration versus a Zapier integration. So yeah. that would yep. be helpful. Sure. sure. You yeah, nerd, so there's your nerdy words. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to put it in normal, normal words here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's a couple different ways to deal with integrations, right? The, the main one that I, uh, that we've mostly been talking about is HubSpot's integration um, ecosystem where all of these apps either by HubSpot or by the company that it has built the app has built the integration between the two. So that is what we call a native integration, more or less. So it's natively built. Um, 
the the very first one that I really recall that I think most people will resonate with is the Salesforce integration in HubSpot. That's a native integration, right? It's there. It's seamless. It's syncing. Um, then you've got and so other. Just to clarify, you just need to have subscriptions to both services, and almost like flip on a switch to tell them to talk. Yep. Yeah, so usually with a native integration, somewhere within those tools, there is a place to connect them to each other directly within the tool. You're not going to some other tool right. to connect them. Yeah. So then you've got the third-party integration apps like Zapier, um, which is kind of like sits outside the other two, right? So if you go into your settings within one of your apps and there's not somewhere to connect, or the app that you're wanting to connect to isn't listed there, that's when you would then go to something like Zapier, uh, Trey.io is another one. Um, and those ones are great, um, at least like in Zapier's instance, right? So they have access, I think over 2000 apps that they can help you connect to each other. Um, but Zapier is more of a, an if this situation. So if this happens in, app a do this in app b right mm -hmm. um so it's based on triggers so hey i want something that when something happens i want this to then happen afterwards then you have other integration tools like PySync, um, which was recently this year acquired by hubspot um, which is more of a two-way real-time sync so it's not based on a if this happens do this it is just more similar to the native integration even though it's happening through a third party but it's making sure that the data is staying in sync both directions in real time so if something changes in app a it's automatically updated in app b and vice versa so it's not waiting on a trigger to do anything like you would see with zapier and so you don't have to build the logic out like you will for Zapier with a PySync integration. Correct. With, yeah. with, with PySync, um, it would be, I think I could most compare it probably to like the Salesforce integration with HubSpot where you basically say, hey, this, here's first name in app A, here's first name in app B, sync those two fields. Right. Yeah. Here's company name and app A, company name and app B, sync those fields. Yeah. Um, so it's more about syncing the data rather than taking action on the data. The data. Interesting. Yep. Right. Um, so however, that side of it is a lot less. So for instance, PySync, I think they only support around 200 plus apps right now. So about a tenth of what Zapier is supporting. Um, but I think it's because it's more of mapping data directly between properties. And that's probably starts to get beyond my technical knowledge, um, but I'm sure there's some limitations there in terms of uh, of that. So, yeah. So with Zapier, um, just for like our listeners, are what kind of like I guess properties are you able to like trigger from one one app to another? Like, can you give us a a real life example? Yeah, so it definitely depends on the app, right? So every app's going to have different triggers or different actions that they can take. And then when you mash those two apps together, even then those things can change as well. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, um, like again, I'll use a, a, a HubSpot example. So um, in fact, I'll even use a, a non-traditional example of like MailChimp and HubSpot, right? So you could say, hey, when someone is added to this list in HubSpot, 
then add them to this list in MailChimp, right? Or if they unsubscribed from an email in MailChimp, sync that and unsubscribe them on the HubSpot side, right? So we're still making sure that that information is accurate. Um, or it could be, hey, when this happens in HubSpot, move this card in Trello from this stage to this stage, right? Yeah. So if you think about like, if you're not using, if you're using Trello as like your CRM, for instance, right? You could use something like Zapier to still automate things within Trello based on things that are happening in HubSpot. Yeah, for sure. And that helps, that kind of helps with the, the, um, the thing that we brought up earlier about sometimes different teams are using different tools. So that's how you get yep. connected. Yes. Yep. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so I guess like I'm going to segue into the next thing, you know, what's an integration that you um, like get asked about the most? Like, is it CRMs? Is it form builders? Like what, what kind of uh, tools are people wanting to connect? Yeah. Salesforce is probably number one on there. Um, I would say so many different reasons, which is interesting, right? Like it's not always contact sync. Sometimes it's sales related yep. because so when these calls come into the agency, I like pull Josh in and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, <laughs> like I, I get that they want to make these systems talk, but like you need to listen to what they just said because I'm not sure what this means, you know, but I, I find it very, I agree that it's mostly Salesforce and HubSpot or another CRM and HubSpot, but it's never yep. the same reason ever. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, the other one I think, and again, kind of interesting because it's sales-based is something like PandaDoc or Proposify, like yeah. some type of quote or proposal system. Um, I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of, of integrations with that, or at least having that involved in the MarTech stack. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of funny. The ones that come to mind off the top of my head that people are asking for or come to us with usually are sales-based. Um, to Jackie's point, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's specifically about sales, but in my head, I categorize it more as like a sales type app, yeah. um, that's usually being integrated. Um, otherwise it's like, um, social accounts for like ads, I think is, is a common one. Um, that integration is a little bit different just cause again, it's more of a native thing within HubSpot. It's not necessarily third party, even though. It is, they've just worked really closely with Facebook and, and Google to have more of a native experience without having to do any type of, of app integration. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are, those are the ones that come to mind as, as being the, the most frequent ones. Usually it's more, I would say the other way around of us looking at, okay, what are they trying to accomplish? You know, what are their goals? And then us making recommendations on, okay, here's the tools we think you need to add into your stack yeah. to help you get to those goals. And Josh, how often would you say people actually need to get like a developer involved versus just using like Zapier if it's not native or something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think where we're at nowadays, it's a lot less need for a developer. Um, I think with this kind of explosion of, you know, Zapier and Trey and PySync and some of these third parties out there that are helping with integrations, mm -hmm. I think has definitely changed that, that ability for marketers. The other thing I've noticed in the last year, year and a half is kind of a, 
concerted effort within the marketing industry that the companies are trying to be more open with their APIs and beef up their documentation so that if you do have developers on staff, it's a lot easier for them to be able to go build the connections that they need, where before it would have been a lot more difficult because a lot of companies, um, at least in my opinion, a lot of companies weren't publishing API stuff because it was kind of that like secret recipe, like hold it close to the vest. We don't want people to have access. We don't want people to connect into our app. And then kind of this, this market shift happened within the last year or two where now all of a sudden it's like, we just want to like give away as much of that information as possible um, to users, whether, whether they are building it themselves or they're using somebody like Zapier um, to help. And I think that's probably what's led to a little bit of the explosion in those third party companies that have been building these integrations is because they now are able to go build it. And now the individual companies, whether you as a client or you as like a HubSpot or a software company, don't actually have to build the integration yourself if you don't think it's worth it. But if people want the integration, here's the resources for you to go build it if you want to build it yourself. And that's an incredible shift, I would say. And you said that just probably within the last even year or two that more companies are open yeah. to their APIs. I, I feel that way. Um, it definitely probably has been longer than that. I feel like that. And part of that, I think, again, is just because I've worked so closely in the HubSpot ecosystem that that's when I feel like they've really made this push. Like even HubSpot themselves has been you know, revamping all of their APIs, moving to version two or even version three, I think on some of them, really getting that stuff documented, making sure that it's available. So in, you know, for them, it's more so that all of these other MarTech um, systems that are out there can build integrations into HubSpot, right? Like that's what they're trying to do. But I think that has kind of opened up the industry as a whole not saying HubSpot's solely responsible for that, but I think that them kind of making that push um, is where you see a lot of other companies starting to do it as well. Yeah, it seems really like a focus on empowering the audience and the user versus making like money. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, please like use this to meet your goals and do what you need to do. Even if yeah. we're not hundred percent your solution, like we understand that you're going to need other assets to do this correctly. And we want you to bring them to the table to like be your best self. So yeah, I, I think it's back to, uh, again, a trend I've seen recently of companies making a, a shift to put more of an emphasis on customer experience. Right. Again, to what I talked about earlier, kind of dropping the ball after someone becomes a customer. I think that's what you're seeing here is a lot of this is around ways to further engage customers, delight their customers, keep their customers happy, because as we all know, it's cheaper to keep keep customers than it is to go get new customers constantly. So I think that's a little bit of what you're seeing in that, too, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I don't want to rabbit hole too deep, but I did want to ask you about that when we were talking earlier. Besides that, like, direct mail-in system, is there another really incredible, like, delight phase tool that you think is so awesome, but maybe it's a little, um, like, underrepresented right now and a great asset for a company to invest in? So, one, uh, unfortunately, the one that's coming to mind right off the top of my head is very similar to Sendoso a little bit. In fact, I think Sendoso actually does this as part of what they do, but I definitely have seen a lot of other companies do it where it's 
handwritten notes, right? Like handwritten oh. notes or postcards and automating those. And I even know companies where it looks handwritten, but it's actually printed or it's like signed by a machine, not by an actual person, but yeah. just something that seems very personal. Um, yeah. And this idea that, you know, we kind of for the last so many years kind of got away from that personal touch, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's another really cool example of, of something we used to do a lot of back in the day that kind of lost, lost its way and is starting to come back a little bit. Um, and can be that wow factor. That's so cool. You saying just made me realize at Inbound last year, I saw someone give a speech and they highlighted a company called Punk Post, who I follow on okay. Instagram that does exactly that. They like create these handwritten letters and memos and things like that. So it's just fun to me that you said that. I'm like, oh yeah, like HubSpot actually <laughs> did talk about that and I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Delight, it's tough, I, that, and that's probably why that one came to mind that, that was similar to Sendoso, because I, I think it's also, even to what I said earlier, you know, when we're doing audits, we find a lot of times that Delight is the phase a lot of clients don't really have any tools in, and I think it's because it is kind of difficult to think about, well, what is it? Like, what are we doing to Delight customers, or how can we Delight customers, and then trying to then say, okay, well, how does that translate into some type of software that we can use? So it's, it's one of those kind of double-edged swords, right? Like it's kind of like, yeah. I think that's probably where stuff's coming. I would say maybe over the next year, I would expect to see a lot more come out maybe around that customer experience, customer delight area, because I think it's kind of a lightish area now um, from what I've seen at least. And I'd say from like a sales perspective that like, if I'm going to start taking on a delight phase after I close a deal for me, it has to be scalable. Um, it can't be a labor intensive thing that I have to do because I'm not going to do it. I'm going to forget about it. Yeah. Like I'm a typical salesperson. Like <laughs> if it's not easy and not interested, you know, like I just, and I'm fine laying in my typical salesperson bucket, but things like Sendosa have made it easy for me to be like, she was awesome. I'm a center Starbucks guard, <laughs> right? Like it's in HubSpot, like. Yeah. I have a budget approval of I'm allowed to spend X amount a month. I know what that is, whatever, whatever. And I, like, but making it scalable. Um, and so these handwritten note ideas are kind of fun because I have a note, a stack of note cards on my desk <laughs> that I should be sending to people after like we have a great conversation, but I don't because you move on to like the next task, you know? Yeah. Shame yep. on me. <laughs> That's such a cool sales enablement too, uh, like tool as well is like sending someone like a, a Starbucks gift card and being like, Hey, let's have coffee. We got stuff to talk yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. So what tool, Chris, I'm going to steal your question because okay. I really, I really want to know the answer to this. What tool do you think is overrated that everyone loves? Yeah. So I am actually going to throw a curveball on this one. I would actually go with what's the most underrated app that people are not using. Um, and that to me is InCycle. So I have been using InCycle for probably two years now. And what InCycle is, is a data management tool. Um, I, at the foundation, am very much a data-driven person. So I love clean databases and like making sure everything's organized because to a little bit of what I alluded to earlier, if tools aren't talking to each other or your data's not clean, like you can be making decisions based off bad data that's not actually going to help your company. In fact, I think IBM did a recent study like 
$3 trillion a year is the cost to businesses of bad data. Um, and so it's a much bigger problem than a lot of companies think it is. Um, and so what InCycle allows you to do, um, it integrates with HubSpot, Salesforce, a few other tools, uh, but it allows you to in bulk clean your data. So you can, you know, capitalize first names, you can, you know, um, set, you know, standardized states, which is a big one I see, right? Like people are spelling out California and they're using the abbreviation for California. Well, if you, you know, as a marketer need to go send an email and you're told to send it to everybody in California, and so you build your list off the word California, you might have missed 50% of the people because you didn't include the abbreviated version, right? So there wasn't a standard. So InCycle allows you to very easily set that type of standard. Um, and the other thing they just rolled out this year that I've caught, <laughs> fell in love with is a database health assessment. Um, so the ability to kind of see where are the big data issues that we have, like, do we have a lot of unsubscribes? Do we have a lot of bounce? Do we have, you know, a large amount of people that haven't even opened an email in six months, right? All the way down to, hey, you have these inconsistencies between state names and state abbreviations um, and being able to quickly update that stuff in bulk because HubSpot allows you to do some of that, but not really in bulk, right? Like you got to go record by record by record, which can take a lot of time. Um, and what's really great within cycle two is you can actually automate it. So if there's little things that like standardizing phone numbers so that they all look the same, right? That's something that you can automate and you can just have it run every day or every week to just make sure that your database is always being optimized for you and your teams. Um, and so I think it's just a very underrated app, um, again, because I don't think a lot of companies think about the quality of their database, um, or they don't put as much emphasis on, um, the importance of it. And mm -hmm. so I think something like, uh, InCycle get, gets missed a lot. I love that. I think that could be one of the biggest takeaways from our listeners today is that a, a, a dirty database is going to cost you more money in the long yeah. run than the software it takes to clean it up. Yep. Yep. Love that. Okay. okay, so this is one of our favorite parts of the show. We just do a little quick questionnaire for you um, because we were kind of yeah. talking really techie. Now we want to get to know you, Josh, as a person a little bit more for our listeners who are just curious. So okay. are you ready to be hit with some rapid questions? Let's go. Okay. Beer, wine, or liquor? Ooh. Uh, uh liquor okay do you know your briggs myers personality type yes i am an i n t j okay awesome what would be your hogwarts house oh i am unfortunately i'm a slytherin oh we gotta talk about that offline <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite celebrity uh matt damon okay uh what are you having for dinner tonight uh, I, I actually don't know yet. <laughs> uh, it's Friday, uh, thurs Thursday. It's, th uh, it's Thursday. <laughs> What's a recent book? Uh, I actually, sorry, it's leftover mac and cheese. That's an acceptable answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so book, what are you reading? Uh oh, a uh, book called Trader. 
by I don't know who. But not I a big just started it. It's a fun book. It's not. Yeah, I've been trying to read a normal book. I love last business girl. book. Last business book, and because I do highly recommend it. Profit First by Mike McCallowicz. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Really good book. Nice. Okay. Yeah. How about your biggest pet peeve? Ooh, being late. Okay. What gets you into trouble? Oh, um, I like to cancel at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh. Okay, what would be your superpower? This will be our last one. Superpower? Uh, to be able to fly, for sure. Fun. Yeah, I love to travel, so well, if well, I could yeah. like fly like Superman, that'd you be do. perfect. You missed a trip this year. That was a big one. I, I have to, we have to ask Jen. This is Audrey's favorite question, although a mermaid on hiatus because of the babies. What's your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, man, I watched a lot of those growing up at grandma's house. Um, I if I were to ask my grandma, she would say Beauty and the Beast. Um, I probably watched that one more than any, but otherwise I would say 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah. oh okay. A little Cruella de Vil, I see you. Dogs. It's the dogs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much again for joining us, Josh. If anyone's interested yeah. in learning more about their integrate like integrations or adding some fun things, they can reach out to you on LinkedIn through Impulse. And yep. yeah, that sounds good, right? Yeah, that works. All right, cool. Well, thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.